Right. Shall we? Will we? Will we go? Will we kick off? Will we do? Sir, it? yes, sir. Get in there, perform, and deliver. Respect, last Corda. It will be one sentence, and I am responding. What a load of spin and nonsense. He has only challenged my personality and pointed out my gender. And cop on a small bit, Welcome to the Polling Station podcast with Neve and Amy, where each week we try to make politics a little easier to understand. And this week, we are doing a deep dive into what I personally believe to be Ireland's most misunderstood institution, the Shannon. <laughs> if you could think of one thing Amy Gilligan is passionate about... I'm on a number of things, is the Shannon. So we're, it's been a long time coming. Amy Gilligan's it's moment been to shine. A long time coming. I feel very passionate about the Shannon. Uh, very passionate about the Shannon. I had a great, my, one of my best friends, Neve, Neve, another Neve, we had a big, big debate last election about the Shannon. She'll definitely remember it well. But I guess my moment has come to talk about it because there has recently been Shannon by-elections. Yes, yeah, so there was a recent like Shannon by-election. I suppose anyone who's been following politics would have been aware about it. So they took place in, in April of 2021, so this year. There are two vacancies that had come up. Um, so basically there was one for the agricultural panel and then one for the industrial and commercial panel. And a by-election comes about, it can happen at any time, essentially when a vacancy is freed up, whether it's in the Dáil or the Shannon, and a by-election is held to fill that seat, to fill that vacancy. So there was two left. The agricultural panel was left because uh, Fianna Gael's Michael Darcy, he had left to go into the private sector. He went in to become CEO of the Irish Association of Institute Management. And then on the industrial and commercial panel, that seat was vacated because Sinn Féin's Alicia McCallan basically stood down because she there was issues and controversies around Sinn Féin bank accounts that had received UK COVID small businesses grants and then had failed to return them promptly. So it was kind of like in order to kind of take responsibility for her actions, she stood down. So this was coming. And I suppose the reason why it was a bit controversial not even controversial but it was just kind of getting some news structures because the two government um candidates were Fina Gales Maria Byrne for the agricultural panel and then Fina Falls Jerry Horkin for the industrial and commercial but there was a bit of a spanner in the works um when the Green Party chairperson and Lord Mayor of Dublin she's also a Dublin City Councillor Hazel Chew went for it but she ran as an independent and I suppose you know the program for government or whatever the government coalition it was kind of agreed upon that the two government candidates would be from Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. So it kind of put a spanner in the works. And there was actually a number of Green Party TDs, including Deputy Leader Catherine Ryan, um, along with Nessa Hurrigan and Paul Costello. And then also Independent TD Marion Harkin, who voted, not voted, excuse me, nominated Hazel Chew because you have to be nominated by members of the Dáil or the Shannon in order to get your name on the ballot anyway. And it was kind of controversial because obviously, like I said, it wasn't... Not only was she going against what the government wanted, but it also she got quite a lot of backlash from other uh, government TDs and government senators as well, especially within the Green Party. It wasn't like it wasn't just, you know, her stepping out of place. She wasn't even running as a Green Party candidate. She was running as an independent. But we saw quite a lot of backlash as well. Even on today with Claire Byrne, we saw Senator Roisin Garvey, who is a Green Party, coming out strongly against Hazel Chu running for this position. And kind of it was almost you kind of saw the allegiances, kind of the ones who would side with, say, the Eamon Ryan, you know, the kind of typical of, you know, Roisin Garvey, Pauline O'Reilly, Ossian Smith, Roger Gorman, and then the, t- the typical kind of more, which I want to say distant, but maybe more people who wouldn't be as you know 
who wouldn't have supported the program for government, you know, Nessa Horgan, Paul Costello. As much. Yeah, exactly. So it kind of, it was a bit of a, a bit of a hairy one. And the reason also why the number of TDs and senators support her was because she wanted to run because she's a woman and she's also a woman of colour. You know, she's of Chinese heritage. Her parents came over to Ireland years ago. She was born in Dublin. So she just wanted there to be representation to show, you know, that women of colour can stand in an election. And she went in saying, look, there's a highly unlikely chance I'm going to win. And she didn't. But she she said she wanted to do it for representation and that's why people want to do it to show that there's diversity within within the Shannon and that Araractus is representative of our society. So that was kind of the big hullabaloo. And then I suppose the only other candidates who ran, we also had two Labour candidates run as well. We had for the agriculture panel, we had Angela Feeney. And then for the industrial and commercial panel, we had Kieran Ahern, who actually, he had a great explanation on his Twitter account, I have to say. He did it with one of the guys from Foal Arms and Hogs. And if you want to check it out, his um, username is at Kieran Ahern. It was brilliant, just a little explanation of kind of how it, the Shannon works. Because like, like I studied politics and I still, well... It just, it's just not fully, I think, talked about. Like, yeah, you might learn about it in one module or two, but that's kind of it. Even like the wider discourse, kind of like what the Shannon is, like why can only, mm-hmm. in the by-elections just gone, was it only the elected members of the Oireachtas were able to vote and not the people or even the expert in either an agricultural panel or an industrial and commercial. So like, what, like, what is the Shannon and like why, why is it still such like, a confusing body? Even though like so many different democracies have, um, have a have a senate of an upper house exactly yeah and like that's like the shannon is basically it's our senate but it's actually more modeled after the house of lords in the uk and just like that's the old colonialism lingering on there but um basically it's the upper house of the oireachtas uh, which the irish government the lower house is the doll upper house is the shannon and in theory the Shannon, it like doesn't recognize like political party membership or anything like that. Like it's meant to be this kind of body that I guess is over the doll that can kind of be removed from the political party kind of crack that would be going on. But it actually, it actually, in reality, it, it doesn't at all. Like it's, it's totally, it's very reflective of like what the doll looks like. And that's because of the nomination system of how people get into it. But I'm sure. We'll get into that in a second. But yeah, it's basically its main function is to debate legislation proposed by government. That's what it really does. It just allows for more critique, more criticism and oversight of any legislation that's passed by uh, the doll. So they like debate it. Like if a bill is initiated by a TD in the doll, it's debated in the doll first and then it moves up to the Shannon to be debated. And a bill can also be initiated by a senator. So a senator are the people who make up the Shannon. Uh, so a bill can also be initiated by them and once both houses, the Dáil and the Shannon, pass a bill, it is then sent off to the president to be signed into law. So that's like kind of how it works. Now, technically, the Shannon can delay something becoming a law, uh, but they can't stop it. The Dáil can basically default if within 180 days the Shannon hasn't passed it. They can just basically say that it's passed. So a lot of people are kind of like, well, like, what is the point of the Shannon then if it can just delay things and stuff like that? But uh, it actually has its own kind of thing that it can do that if they really don't agree with it, they can bring it to the president and say like, hey, we really don't agree with this. Like, don't sign it into law. And then the president can choose not to sign it into law then. 
So has that ever happened before where senators have actually gone to the president of Ireland at the time and asked, do not sign this into law, don't do this? No, never happened before. Like even the thing about it like lapsing after 180 days that it's basically just passed if the Shannon is still debating it or haven't approved it. Like that's only happened twice, like one time in 1937 and one time in 1959, 1959. Uh, So yeah, like it's basically never happened, but that's because like the Shannon and the doll are generally pretty cohesive in the sense that they're very reflective of the political parties that make up the doll. So they're very, there's limited like likelihood for any kind of friction there whatsoever. So yeah, like the only other thing that they do, like outside of those kind of main thing, I guess, is they appoint the last Kian Corla. So that's Catherine Connolly. If anyone doesn't know, she's an independent. She's great. Love Catherine Connolly. The Shannon then establishes its own like standing committees and select committees. So they're kind of committees that talk about specific things. The standing committees are a bit more kind of like procedural and kind of keeping everything running. And then the select committees, like they'd have them on the, all the things you'd think, like they have a select committee on European Union, select committee on foreign affairs and trade, on health and children. So they've all that good stuff. So that's a, really to summarize what the Shannon does is it just gives a different, another it gives another space to debate legislation and it also gives another body of voices to propose legislation, which is what I think is the thing that's lost the most about the Shannon is that it actually is another space that bills and legislation can come from. Yeah, and I just don't think it doesn't seem to be recognised as that. And I think as no. well, when you say that it, it really can't stop any bills passed from the doll. It kind of, I don't want to stir up feelings, but, you know, you can see why people called for the abolition of the Shannon in 2013, which we'll get into. But I suppose what's interesting is how people are elected to the Shannon. Yeah, it's super, like, complicated. (laughs) Like, kind of regular Joe, the same way anybody, if they, you know, have the political will or or want to campaign, could be a county councillor or TD. But to be a senator, it's just... It seems like a more, lot more complex. Also, there's far more seats available with only 60 seats in total. And then 11 of those go to a Taoiseach's nominee. So like, yeah. where, how do the others come in? So yeah, we need to like buckle up now because we're, we're about to get technical. But yeah, so like you're saying, Eve, the Taoiseach nominates 11 people. So when there's a general election, we have the results, yada, yada, yada. We have a new Taoiseach appointed. One of the first things he'll actually do is nominate 11 people to the Shannon. Then the rest is compromised by six people come from the university panels. And then the remaining 43 come from like a very complex series of panels. And yeah, so the Shannon basically comes into the, uh, it's all like elected. and This all happens. It has to take place no later than 90 days after the doll. So I don't know if people throw their minds back to the last election there and there was a whole like a real go towards the end of basically because if they didn't there would be no Shannon Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that would not be good also I'd just like to say I think it's clear if you are the university panel is not for all universities I'm a bit bit salty about this now as a DCU and IADT graduate I cannot vote on either of those Mm -hmm. panels even though I'm sure university panel it you know some may deem it as elitist in its form but it's only for a select few, including yourself, Amy. I am a UCG hun. Yes, we have. <laughs> we have Shannon's privilege. 
but yeah, like I went to UCD, Neve went to DCU, we both then went to IADT, which is where we met. And Neve has two degrees from two Irish universities and she can't vote in the Shannons. And this nope. is because, yeah, so those six nominations from the universities, they're basically come from the national universities. So NUIG, UCD, UCC, and then Trinity. So we're the unit, the University of Dublin, as some people call it. I've literally never heard that except when people talk about the Shannon. Trinity, Trinity College. And basically each of them like elect three members. Like you said, if you're not in that list, it you do not get a say. You're not that. No. Like once you graduate from any of these universities, you get like a little like your little graduation pack and it has your Shannon and basically registration for like Shannon elections in that. So candidates must be nominated by two registered electorates from the university. So like two basically alumni or from each university must nominate them. And there's no requirement for the candidate actually to be a graduate of that university or connected to them in any way. That there actually isn't, which I don't think a lot of people know about that. Like they generally are because they want to get their stamp in, but there actually isn't like I could use my UCD um, nomination basically to nominate you even though you've never went to UCD or anything like that interesting so that is interesting because you you would think you would think that because when like you think of you know two of the two of the senators from the university panel Ivana Bacic and Lynn Rowan they're both former Trinity students you know and they were both mm-hmm. actually weren't they they were both on the students union in Trinity weren't they they were they yeah. were and that's like how most people come up like they'd come up through university political life a lot of the time or would have had some involvement in it but yeah, there's no actual requirement, but it does happen. Like, because you would like automatically people are human. If you're using your like college vote, you're probably going to nominate for somebody that you know or is related to your college. But yeah, so it literally just, you just need two people to nominate you and then eight other registered electorates that have a university vote basically to assert that nomination to basically like, yeah, we agree. So that's how that works. Is it elitist? Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) Any of my fellow DCU grads, anyone who went to UL, LIT, IT Sligo, AIT, Waterford IT, Carlo IT, we've been left. TUD, we've all been left. And it's mad because, like, Ireland has one of the most educated, higher level educated population in the world. And yet so much of them are like can't even like vote in this like if you ask me I think the whole university thing like the fact that you have a university you need a university education at all to do this is elitist but it's the added layer of elitism where it's like oh like oh only some of them though only some of them like I'm like no ma'am that is not that is I, I it just doesn't she feels outdated I would just love to vote I love voting yeah but I know there's been like constant like the challenge is no, it has never been far from criticism and there's been constant ways to reform it. And I think like the university one just seems like a very easy one to do, but like nothing has been done. You know, it's like, yeah. it seems like a very easy just to allow all colleges or university, but there's been quite a number of shattered reform bills, haven't there? I suppose even like, you know, there was one in 2016 and one in 2018. But I suppose mm-hmm. before even looking at that, we had during Andrew Kenny's time as Taoiseach, we had a referendum, which I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. 
I was doing my junior cert <laughs> that year. I was stressed out with the home ec and the junior cert. That's was, what I was doing. She was too busy. But yeah, we did. And like a lot of these reforms and referendums, like the Shannon has never been shy of being critiqued for the way that it's made up. And a lot of this, yes, it does come from the university, but also a lot of it as well comes from the vocational panel nominations that you need. So Neve, when you were talking about the by-elections, you touched on like the agricultural panel, all this. And people are like, what the hell does that mean? So basically, the Shannon is comprised of five vocational panels of that kind of represent different, to quote, like professional spheres. So you're talking about like culture and educational panel, agricultural panel, labor panel, industrial and commercial panel, and the administrative panel. So they kind of are roughly what they mean. I think the Vegas one is the administration panel, which is just about like social services and public administration. And basically you get nominated to one of these panels to to run for the Shannon. You run on the basis of you want to get into one of these panels. So you can get nominated by either inside or outside nominations. So outside nominations is basically anyone can seek a nomination from a, a nominating body so long as that person has like the knowledge and expertise and practical experience in the sector that the panel is referring to. So like if you were be nominated for the agricultural panel, you would want to have like experience in the agricultural sector. And basically a nominating body then can nominate you. So the nominating bodies, they're all like there's professional, there's sectorial ones, and there's like 111 of them in total. Like the INTO, the Irish National Teachers Organization, that's an example of one, like the Irish Georgian Society, another example of one. So they can be like NGOs, they can be kind of industry stuff, but like that's what you're kind of looking at. So you need to be nominated from basically one of those bodies. That's your outside nomination. Your inside nomination is that I can't keep up. Yeah, so you can come in from so the outside basically is you're outside the government sphere. So it's a body that works. It's not in government. It's nominating you to get into government. That's your outside nomination. Your inside nomination, that's coming from a TD or former senator. And they need the support of four TDs or former senators. So for incoming TDs or for former senators, they need the support of that. So yeah. So that's kind of what you're, so you're inside one, you're being nominated from inside government, you're outside one, you're being nominated from outside it. So is that confusing? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I suppose the two, like the two by-elections we had then just a few, like a few weeks ago now would have been our inside votes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But what's interesting about the Shannon now is what you, we've seen, well, anyway, in this, this um Shannon anyway oh Neve, that's that's not even the end of it so like this is not the end of it like it that's not you, you so what actually is a complicated bit of this oh, Jesus. I was getting ahead of myself need, each panel must have a minimum number of inside and outside senators so you might reach the quota like you might get like a load of like outside votes and stuff like that but if you go for a panel that has too many outside people, you're not going to get it. There needs to be an amount of inside and outside nominations. So for like, take the agricultural panel, for example. So this is why they were inside for the last, um, for the by-election. You're like, why weren't the outside ones? This is why. The agricultural panel, so there's 11 seats on that panel and there must be a minimum of four senators from outside and inside nominations. So there has to be hit a minimum of that. 
So yeah, that's basically why it's really complicated. And why <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's basically how it's made up. In short, to be elected for the Shannon, you either need to get a Taoiseach's nomination, you need to get a university's nomination, or you need to get nominated by an inside, so TDs and senators, or outside, so just like outside bodies. And you wanna you wanna hope that you've picked their inside or outside one right so that you actually hit it. So yeah. And the Taoiseach ones are even interesting because well, I suppose this one anyway, like, it's completely political. Like, if there's meant to be a non-political, like, half of the people who were nearly TDs who lost out on their seats, you know, Lisa Chamber, well-known former Mayo TD, same constituency as Derek Leary, lost out on her seat. She's in the Shannon. Regina Doherty, former TD of, of my constituency, actually, in Mid-East. She's the leader of the Shannon. You know, and mm-hmm. she, like, she's not the only one. Sinn Féin's Lynn Boylan, former MEP, lost her seat in the European elections for the Dublin region. She's now a senator. It's just interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, they were just all political. They were just all very, mm-hmm. you know, primarily either, well, I suppose Michal Martin's nominees were either Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the odd green. And there's only one uh, kind of neutral or non-political or partisan, but that sounds very American. I don't know. But which was Eileen Flynn, who was um, the first female traveller ever elected to the Shannon, which was obviously it was excellent to see her. But bar her, they were all... I think a lot of that comes from the fact that like what I talked about there was just how you get nominated. So then to actually get your seat on the Shannon so you get voted on, basically the only people who can vote are members of the incoming doll, members of the outgoing Shannon, question mark why, debatable. And then members of county councils, city councils, basically those are the people who vote for the Shannon. So those people obviously are in government, you know, especially members of the incoming doll, outgoing Shannon, they kind of have their own agendas, I would say. Um, I'd be very surprised if you didn't. But yeah, like, so then they vote on it. So that's why you can kind of skew a certain way. Like if it's a very like heavy feed of all government, let's just say just out of thin air. Like they're obviously going to lean and vote more towards candidates that align with Fianna Fáil or were from Fianna Fáil, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I suppose then we're looking at, like we said, the abolition for the Shannon. And Kenny brought that in 2013. And it kind of like, you'd be surprised, like when you saw the people, I suppose like Fianna Gael, obviously they wanted to abolish it, but so did Sinn Féin and so did mm-hmm. Labour. And then Fianna Fáil and the Greens were like, no, we're going to keep it, along with like some of the independents, especially like, you know, that's how Catherine Zappone kind of rose to national um, attention anyway. Prominence. And then, yeah, and then obviously, you know, Senator David Norris, who's a former presidential candidate, very um, well-known senator, obviously voting to keep it. So it was kind of very interesting. And what I think is even more interesting is during that time of campaigning, like the two lead campaigners for Fianna Gael were Richard Bruton, who's obviously... You know, he's still in government now, still very well known. Fianna Gael TD, but also Regina Doherty, which I just thought was, now it's it's just very ironic. Very (laughs) ironic. You know, saying how it was undemocratic and basically lambasting the Shannon. And there's a very kind of infamous comment made by Senator Norris to Regina Doherty, which he later did apologise for. But it was just interesting, like, she was kind of at the fore along with Richard Bruton to abolish the Shannon. And now Mm -hmm. she's the leader of the Shannon. Yeah. It's just all very interesting. There has been a huge call to reform the Shannon because it's basically like you were saying, Eve, it's undemocratic. And that kind of, like you're good at this is, I feel like so little people know about this. It does point to like how undemocratic it is. Basically when you vote, so like number one, only a certain amount of people can vote for the Shannon. Like you said, you have to be TD, outgoing senator, 
or county council, city council. So that in itself is quite undemocratic. It's not like the Senate in America where like you vote for your senators, not like that at all. And then also each senator and TD or like local authority councillor, they have a vote on each of the vocational panels. They get five votes. But if you have a degree from any of the NUI universities or Trinity, you get two extra votes, giving you seven in total. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, my sorry. jaw just dropped. That's why. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, Jesus. so it is it's Jesus, yeah, like elitism, how are you kind of thing. And that's why there's really been a lot of calls for reform around it. It's a very kind of conv- like it's convoluted enough way to 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 get into it. And you know, like the vocational panels, I can understand why they had their purpose in the past and all that kind of stuff. It's a bit convoluted, it's a bit like the balance of inside and outside nominations a bit weird, but I think like it's the way that they vote that really takes the biscuit. It's very, very undemocratic. Like the electorate does not get a say and then you get more of a say if you are deemed to be educated in these universities, which for whatever reason gives you more kind of prominence. So that's why there's kind of been a huge call to like reform it for a very, very, very long time. And even after that, like 2013 referendum on it, that, you know, it was a failed referendum, didn't go through, but the government did make promises to commit to transforming the Shannon, sometimes called the second house, sometimes called the upper house. But like very little progress has been made, even when there was an NUI chancellor, Maureen Manning, she produced the Manning report in 2014, people might have heard of it and it basically she basically outlined changes that could happen that didn't require another referendum that stuff that like you were saying you like the university things that could be changes all stuff like that that didn't require a referendum so like a constitutional change it also proposed that every citizen should have a vote every citizen in the north should have a vote and every citizen living abroad every irish citizen living abroad should have a vote it suggested that 36 of the seats should be filled this way and then the other 13 can be voted for by the councillors, TDs and senators as they all currently are. So that's kind of how that was proposed. And then when Leo Bradker came in, um, so he took over the role as Taoiseach, uh, he committed to more reform. But really, there hasn't been much movement on it. And it's kind of because people forget about it. Obviously, COVID has come, so that took any focus of the shadow is completely off. You know, there's been the housing crisis, there was a government formation crisis, uh, all these kind of crises that basically took the focus off the shadow. So we're kind of like here now at a point where there's been a special working group set up, uh, chaired by Senator Michael McDowell. It's meant to deliver a report on it and yeah we're just kind of it's it obviously expected to come before the doll this year so we'll see how that goes as uh, so what they propose but yeah I kind of am like okay so I love the Shannon and here's why I, I am like I don't love it in its current form it's like Dragon's Den you're coming up it's like Dragon's Den she's come with to my pitch, pitch. Like a load of people like you were saying there in 2013 they wanted to abolish the Shannon I personally very strongly believe that there should always be an upper house to deliver some kind of check and balance. Just because when those things are removed, it just takes the wrong person to come into power to completely run the shop. Having said that, because of the way that the Shannon is elected, it, it kind of loses its purpose in that it can't be that check and balance because it's basically compromised the same way. 
like Deshana has a real opportunity because it can propose legislation that and it's not kind of bogged down with the I guess the runnings of day-to-day government that the doll is like they very much have like obviously the COVID crisis like everything like that there's so many things going even in the COVID crisis there's so many complex things like obviously like there's people getting back to work there is even like pregnant mothers in hospitals everything that's going on with them now there's a housing crisis there's everything like that the Shannon obviously looks at bills and legislation and stuff like that and does they are concerned with that but they don't need to keep the country taking over day to day they have a real opportunity to debate and propose legislation that is very reformative it's very forward thinking it can kind of see what ireland can be 10 years ahead and legislate for that it's a place that minority voices could be heard and we've started seeing that kind of come in you know even with hazel shoe even though she wasn't successful that she put herself forward it's a place where that could really foster that kind of voices and it's not like bogged down by everyday politics. But because the way it's formed, it's not that. And I just think it's such a shame. It's such a missed opportunity of what what it could be. Like there's so much people like that debate kind of, you know, political theory and political ideology and like a real kind of thing that's quite popular is that like government should work on a duality of like, working for like now and handling the crisis now and then have another kind of body that's planning for the future that's looking forward that isn't reactive in the way that Irish politics has the tendency to be rather proactive proactive exactly yeah. and there's been like some really great things that have come from the Shannon like Senator Lynn Rand has proposed like great bills on reforming um how people who have a prison sentence like what they're limited to um in our country like there's like limited voting stuff like that that can like happen to people like she's proposed reforms of that through the shadow like that's the kind of stuff that has the potential to be there but it's just not we even saw like you know labor senator uh rebecca one she brought brought forward back in january of this year just you know period products bill which is you know essentially free provisions that they be you know freely available in schools education institutions you know like third level and so on and public service buildings so like this is kind of like a long form thing especially i suppose like we've seen scotland do it period poverty is a pressing issue and all that you know with bills coming through like this as well i don't know it doesn't seem to be as cashy maybe i don't know maybe because i don't watch enough shannon um sittings as I would the doll but you know there seems to be cross-party kind of support anyway especially with regards to I know number of Fianna Fáil senators got behind Senator Moynihan's bill and not the first time either so I think hopefully and rather than being reactive the Shannon could be proactive but I just think it's not it needs to be given a wider scope of the electorate because at the moment it is very limited and mm-hmm. I suppose it's not it's not, uh, the purpose of the Shannon many people probably just don't really know what it is unless maybe you're deeply invested within politics or in the depths of the Oireachtas itself, like, but it's just, I don't know, it's just the Shannon reform being brought in. But then again, this is under the department local government, which is always attached to housing. And you've seen, you know, previous Minister Owen Murphy and now Minister Dara O'Brien, they kind of are dealing with the imminent housing crisis. And it's just that seems like, you know, Dara O'Brien's trying to bring through the affordable housing bill. Just seems to be on the back burner a bit. Absolutely. And I think like what you said there, that like people just forget about it. Like, I personally think that's because the Shadow has gotten a kind of reputation to be, oh my God, how do I say this? A ground for non-successful TDs or oh. MEPs to go to. Like but you earlier on. But that's, like... that's what it looks like. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Lisa Chambers, who was one of the most prominent TDs in, in Fianna Fáil, lost her seat. There she is. Like, she's not the only one. Like, 
yeah, there's plenty of others who have done the same you know Tim Dooley as well like mm-hmm. there's quite a number and it just kind of looks like oh sure look if I lose my seat you know I'll, I'll, I'll run for the Shannon and I'll, I'll get in kind of thing like it's just mm-hmm. you know it's it is just kind of a bit you wouldn't be too unless people who are actually I suppose like the the university ones kind of spring to mind particularly you know, Lynn Rowan and Alice Mary Higgins They've just run for the Shannon. I know Ivana mm-hmm. Bacic is looking to fill the Dublin Bay South constituency by-election that'll be coming up this year. But senators like that, I've seen, you know, Frances Black, you know, great senior in her time. But now she's like, oh yeah, the only political office she's run for is, is the Shannon. So I don't know. The Shannon that we have now, the composition of it kind of looks like 21 people in it have never been members of the Shannon before. Um, a third of those 21 are former TDs. Um, as well as one previous MP, a former MEP, and of the 12 other members who have never been a senator, every single one of them, with the exception of Labour's Mary Sherlock, were unsuccessful candidates for the doll. Bits us. Bits us. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, and like... It's just, it's disappointing because I really feel like the Shannon has become a graveyard for politicians where they're either going because their political career is teetering off or like you said, it's a, it's a pit stop so that they can be launched back into the lower house, the doll. And it's just kind of disappointing because it's, it is actually a real opportunity for people with actual experience in vocational areas and experience within you know certain things to get their voice heard by government like you know like there's a lot of critique a lot of the time how someone might be a minister for education well that's a bad example because Norma Foley is actually a teacher let's take Stephen Donnelly minister for health he's a consultant and not the medical kind he went to MIT didn't become a doctor I mean MIT is impressive but oh it's not a doctor medicine there no like so there's a lot of criticism on how like they you know might not necessarily have the background to make informed policy choices whereas if you have people from vocational groups the Shannon who are from the background that can make informed choices like that's great you know like that's really really good but because of the way it's set up that doesn't happen and it it, it could like a modernized Shannon with a reformed voting system a reformed nomination system could actually be a place that fosters talent, young political talent, that fosters minority voices, that fosters all this kind of stuff that it just doesn't happen because people just don't think of it. And like you said, Neve, the housing crisis, I totally, like that's being young 20 something year olds, like we feel like I feel the housing crisis every day of my life. But it's such a pity that it is on the back burner because it could it could be so much more. It could. But I suppose, hopefully within the next year, this will be looked at. We don't know. We don't know what's going to come down the line. But look, if anyone has any opinions or thoughts on the Shannon, do you even know much about lettuce? Yeah. Honestly, I'm intrigued to see what people know about yeah. it. Are you a university yeah. graduate like myself who cannot vote and want to vote? If you're like me and you love voting, you love going into that polling station, <laughs> and yeah. voting. That's my do. I love to vote. It's my favourite. Or I'd love to know, do people think the proposals of the Manning Report would actually work? Like all graduate, university graduates would get it, that the vocational panels would be opened up, that the public could get a say in it, that each person could elect to choose which vocational panel they 
you know, vote for, yeah, like I would be really interested in do people think that would work. Or do you agree with Enda Kenny and you want the Shannon abolished? Just let us know. Be interested. <laughs> Breaking my heart. <laughs> like... Do you, are you team Enda or team Amy? Let us know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> me, I'm just here to learn about, I just want to vote on the Shannon. Um, no, that's right. We should. We should also know how it works. Let's. We should also know how it works. And this is why Amy was here to help me. And I feel like I have been swayed that we need to keep the Shannon, but with serious, serious reform. As- serious, serious reforms. Like I would be of the opinion. I don't know. Does the Manning report go far enough? But it's also if you put it towards a referendum. I just feel like there's a like there's so little talks about the Shannon that people might just abolish it. And obviously it's totally within their right to do so. But I just think it's such a missed opportunity, guys. Like I just feel there'd be so much, there's so much scope for real like political change and forward thinking and marginalized voices and not having the pale male and stale thing that it currently is. I'm like, do you think we can do it with the Shannon? Let us know. Let us know. Honestly, this is Amy's lifelong dream. <laughs> I don't know if you can her, tell. Her second <laughs> side hustle or third at this rate is campaigning for the Shannon along with the podcast. The Shannon the reform, please. Not abolish reform, but so yes, yeah, so definitely let us know. Let us know. So that's all for this week on the polling station. Don't forget to check us out at the polling pod on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget you can check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for your weekly dose of political chats. Until then, bye. bye.